Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Also known as Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And today we're talking about sports ball. Actually, it's just football, but I'll probably rant a little bit about basketball, but yes. (laughs) See, folks, the epitome of the Fat Man is that he's so lazy, he gets people to do the work for him. That is pretty masters of lazy. (laughs) Good job. Right. Let's get to the national championship. As we covered last time, two teams to move on from the college football playoff. Was it the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl? Games were Alabama, right? <clears throat> Alabama beat Notre Dame, shocking absolutely no one. The only shock from that game was that Alabama or was that Notre Dame's defense managed to keep Alabama at only 31 points. Their typical scoring range has been in the 50s. Against <laughs> most people. So we'll get to why that's interesting coming up. The other team was Ohio State, who, interestingly enough, uh, utterly destroyed Clemson. Which was surprising, I have to admit. And the more I think about it, the less surprising it got because of how fewer games uh, Ohio State had gotten into versus uh, Clemson. And I think Clemson are almost – they likely had a chip on their shoulder going into that game thinking, okay, there's no – you know, I think their their head coach said it best. He said they don't deserve to be here. <laughs> and then he was, you know, forced to eat crow at the end of that game. <laughs> You have Ohio State, uh, whose who's best game so far has been against Clemson, and they destroyed Clemson. And let's be honest, Clemson, until that game, looked really, really, really good. Now I've got to question how good Clemson actually was this year, because their only their best game before playing Ohio State was against Notre Dame, the two games. And one, one of those games, they lost to Notre Dame, and the other one, they, they beat Notre, Notre Dame pretty solidly. I, I don't know. But either way, your final two were Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama did what it always does, or what what it did in the entire season. Anytime their offense got the ball, they scored. <laughs> That's just how it went. You have what what's called the three headed dragon. They had Matt Jones was their quarterback. Uh-huh. He was up for the Heisman this year. Najee Harris, who's their running back, he literally leapt over a standing defender during the Notre Dame game, like running jump <laughs> six feet in the air, <laughs> and then ran it in for a touchdown. Najee Harris. And the man is amazing with the ball, you know, as a runner. He was also up for the Heisman this year. Then the Devonta Smith, who's their wide receiver. He was also up for the Heisman this year. He won the Heisman. (laughs) So the the four front runners for the Heisman going to the Heisman Trophy winner, three of them were for Alabama. And then the fourth one was uh, Kyle Trask from Florida, who intercepted his way out of being in the running for (laughs) for the Heisman. After the four interceptions... In the game against uh, Ohio or uh, Oklahoma, so th- they referred to those three as the three-headed dragon, and they even had like an animatic, like a like a dragon, and like those three is dressed up as like <laughs> barbarians or whatever fighting the dragon <laughs> on ESPN. So, and they're right; they are amazing. Now, interestingly enough, throughout the course of the game, the Alabama game, Devonta Smith went out for a broken finger, I want to say, Ow. or two. Najee Harris went out. I can't remember why exactly he went out. And then the quarterback like limped off the field. <laughs> and in like the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So even but even after that, even although the, the three headed dragon was gone, Alabama still scored every time they touched the football. So as good as I thought Ohio State's defense possibly was because of how 
effective they were against Trevor Lawrence and the what I thought was the Clemson amazing offense, uh-huh. they they got rolled over pretty hard. Alabama ended up scoring fifty two points in them. Ohio State, um, they scored I would say about a third of the time they had the ball, which is more typical of any given football team. <laughs> <laughs> And that was, you know, that was kind of the game. Alabama outscored Ohio State. Neither team was able to put up that much of a defense. I mean, we know Alabama's defense has not been very good since the beginning of the season. But um, as, as stated in that one SEC short, you just need a you just need an offense that keeps the defense from being able to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, my biggest takeaway is the fact that Ohio State lost to Alabama with the exact same score that Texas A&M lost to Alabama. And yet we weren't qualified enough to play them again. <laughs> yeah. Alabama beat Ohio State 52 to 24, which is, in fact, what what Texas A&M lost to Alabama 52 to 24 back when Texas A&M's team honestly didn't look as good as they did at the end of the season. <laughs> but yes, completely on national uh, national media, especially ESPN, basically decided that A&M didn't look as good as the other teams. And so they weren't deserving to go to the the playoffs. And Alabama proved that Ohio State, in fact, was not better than Texas A&M. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, we can say they would have been evenly matched. And if Ohio State had played A&M, like a lot of us kind of wanted to, it would have been a good game. <laughs> yeah, it would have. I think that given a second chance, I think we would have been in a better position to beat Alabama because we already played them once. We know their scheme. Yeah. You know, are we as skilled? But if you play a team a second time, your chances of beating them are a lot better. Yeah, I think our problem playing against Alabama would be what we try and do with our offense, which is primarily clock management. Mm -hmm. For that to work, two things have to happen. The first is you have to be able to convert on third down, which is a lot harder against Alabama (laughs) than it is against a lot of people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Granted, the defense isn't that great this year. But that's the first piece. The second piece of it, you have to be able to stop their offense from scoring whenever they've got the ball. Because if your clock management is really good, even if it is really good, if Alabama can score in a minute and a half every time they have the ball, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much time you blew off the clock. So that's, that's, I think, the biggest problem with us playing Alabama, given the strategy we use throughout the course of the uh, of the season. Yeah. Well, that was um, that's college football for the year. So we'll see what, what 2021 to 22 looks like. Nobody knows, really. (laughs) I definitely will say, I mean, it was a good year for us. I'm very interested in seeing what happens. Oh, boy. It's going to be a big question mark this year because Kellamond put himself in for the draft, the NFL draft. And so I don't know who our next quarterback is. And I don't know if he's any good. But Jimbo Fisher seems to have done really well with Kellamond. And I think it'll be interesting. You know, I'm, I'm trying to manage those expectations because if we had a quarterback that we've been playing this year, then I'd feel better about next year. But uh, this year, it's going to be a starter year. So, I mean, he got a little bit of time in on a couple games against Alabama and against Mississippi State, I want to say. Uh-huh. So our, our likely starting quarterback next season did get a little bit of time in. And he doesn't look bad. A lot of people were calling him Johnny, Johnny Football Part 2 or... 2.0 or whatever. Uh. And he kind of looked like it. <laughs> he's able to scramble. He's fast. He can throw. Uh, it's sad that his first uh, pass against Alabama was an interception. <laughs> <laughs> but he was throwing into heavy traffic in the end zone, and that's a high interception probability. Uh-huh. So 
I'm trying not to hold that against him, but he looks good and he looks like he works well with Jimbo. There's a possibility he could be better than Mond. He's probably not going to beat Mond in stats. In fact, I doubt anybody will ever. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because Mond got to play three years as a starting quarterback. Uh huh. That just doesn't happen that much anymore. Right. Most starting quarterbacks make it one or two years at the most, and then they go to the, the draft. The only way you make it as a starting quarterback for three or four years is that you're good, but you're just not good enough that you're expecting to get drafted <laughs> if you go to the draft. And so because the last two years our record wasn't that great, he didn't try and go for the draft. So he came back. Well, he was still better than what we had otherwise. And so we kept playing, you know, because Mon broke all or most of Johnny Manziel's records. And Manziel only played two years. So unless you're better than Johnny Manziel was when he was a college football player, I don't foresee anybody being able to beat Mon's records. So that's interesting, though. I, I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> so other folks. So we're losing our one of our senior linebackers. 86 tackles during the uh, season this year. Four sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. Buddy Johnson, he was pretty amazing. Um, it's going to hurt losing him. But, it, you know, just like it hurt losing Miles Garrett, it's going to hurt losing Buddy Johnson. Because, yeah, he was amazing. Defensive tackle Bobby Brown the third is going to the draft. He had 22 tackles, five and a half sacks. We're losing our center, Ryan McCollum. So this is going to be like a brand new team. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Jamar Osborne is a senior wide receiver. Not that we used him that much. Dan Moore, senior LT. Got another junior linebacker and a right guard. So, we, yeah, we have three of our offensive linemen who are leaving, which is, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah, it's going to be rough because we got a new quarterback. You're going to have three-fifths of your line completely new. Or Yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs> Or, you know, half or more of your line that's going to be new. Now, granted, if if those guys are coming from the practice squad and that's the secondary quarterback, second string quarterback coming from the practice squad, too. You know, if these guys are all coming from the second string and they play together, then there's there's a little bit of I hate to use this term synergy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit of synergy going on there because they play together. They know how to to do things. So. I want us to have a good line and a good quarterback because that worked so well for us this year. So <laughs> we'll see. New quarterback, new line. It'll be interesting. Yeah. That's a wrap on 2021 college football season. <laughs> I guess, you know, with all that information now, yeah, it's basically just manage expectations. Don't expect a whole lot because, I mean, it's going to be a brand new team. They're going to have to figure things out in the toughest conference in college football. By far, without a doubt. Honestly, I think the two top teams in the ACC this last season, Notre Dame and Clemson, were massively overrated. Ohio State's a good football team, but again, they're a good football team in a terrible conference. They're the only shining light in that. Yeah, I would say Northwestern's decent, and so does um, Indiana. I think those two, decent. But a, a three, you know, three out of ten, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas it's... You know, in the SEC, it's a lot more than three. <laughs> and then the Pac-12 just has nothing. 
<laughs> and the Big 12. You know, Oklahoma did pretty good this year. I'll, I'll give Oklahoma, but everybody else in the Big 12 is not doing very well. They're a bunch of fish floundering around out of water. Right. Texas fired its head coach, so they're getting a new head coach. Let's hope this new head coach works out for them about as well as their, that's the last one. <laughs> Some rivalries just never die. It never will. I'll hate them until I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, if God forces me to love them at some point, I'll do it. But other than that, <laughs> it's going to take some kind of divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got about college football. It's probably going to be a heck of a year, which, you know, I'm okay with. Yeah, I guess we'll roll into the NFL. So let's start with the first playoff game. So a little background here for me was at the time, it was a lucky kind of unlucky situation. My truck broke down and I was in Pennsylvania. I was, I'm going to say close, but I wasn't really close. My in-laws came and picked me up from the hotel I was staying at. So that way I wouldn't have to spend money in the hotel. So I got to watch the game in a comfortable room in a comfortable place, but I did it by myself because, you know, nobody else was watching it. We were going up against the dreaded, our biggest rival. And by say our biggest rival, this is a rivalry that goes way back in time. I mean, you were just talking about how you're going to hate Texas till the day you die. Well, that's Browns fans and Pittsburgh fans. So the Browns are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers for the third time this season, for the second time in Pittsburgh. And this was their first playoff game in, what did we say, 18 years? I think that's right. So in like a generation. And against the Steelers, who I don't think they've beaten in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, again, 18 years, you know, since we've beaten Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of build up to this game, our first playoff game of forever. And this time we had just played them the, the week previous. We played against their second string quarterback because they were resting all their starters, or at least most of their starters. And all of them came back for this game. And so we were like, okay. Let's just hope for a really good game. We achieved what many didn't think we were going to do this season and what we were hoping we were going to do this season, which was get to the playoffs. We did that. So let's, you know, just make it a good game. And from the very first snap of the game, all bets were off. (laughs) Yeah, bad snap. I want to talk about that snap. (laughs) (laughs) So the very first play of the game, Pittsburgh has the ball. I think it was on their own 20. 25, you know, from a touchback and the center who is a professional center. He's ranked high up there as, as a center for, for in, in the NFL. And he's been in multiple games, you know, playoff games and all that stuff. Hikes the ball right over the quarterback's head. The quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who's like six something. You know, he's a yeah, tall son yeah. of a bitch. This is, this is Ben's Roethlisberger. And he's been with the Steelers for, I think he's been with the Steelers for 10, maybe 20 years now. He's not a young man. No. But he's like 6'4". Right. He is huge. He is a huge monster of a quarterback. Right. They don't build quarterbacks like him. They just don't. No. No. (laughs) He's a man from another time. He's a barbarian in a modern age. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And that ball sails. Like, he tries to put a hand up, and he can't get it. (laughs) And the ball goes right behind him all the way to the end zone and the center and the quarterback are chasing after it, but they're not quite diving on it. They're like looking at it. Like it, like it's got spikes or something like they don't like it's a snake, you know? And so some Browns defenders come in right behind them and they grab that ball in the end zone. So the very first play of the game, the Browns get a touchdown off a of fumble recovered in the Pittsburgh end zone. Off of possibly the worst snap in all of football history. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, 
what just happened? <laughs> Holy crap, what just happened? I can't believe this. Like the very first snap of the game, you know, I wanted to shout and scream. I couldn't because it was late. My in-laws were, were asleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I was on Facebook and, and my cousin, she Facebook messaged me or, or she put a post on there and goes, what did I just see? Or what? Yeah. What did I just see? Bruce? And I go, and I just said one word, destiny. <laughs> and that was the funny part because like, you know, as a Browns fan, you go, okay, okay. That was really exciting, but I'm not going to get my hopes up because I've been down this road before, you know? So then they get the ball, you know, again, another kickoff. Pittsburgh gets it. This time they actually go through. They get like a couple of first downs and then Ben Roethlisberger throws an interception and you're just like, what is going on? (laughs) And it just spirals after that. The first quarter, the Browns put up 28 points to Pittsburgh's zero, zero points for Pittsburgh in the first quarter. Yeah. So I turned it on. There's about eight minutes left in the first quarter. And I look at that score and it's like 21 to, to nothing. I look at the score and look at the time. I'm like eight minutes. Okay. And then I look at the quarter first and I'm like, what are the <laughs> happened in those first four minutes? Because <laughs> 21-0 is not normally a score you see. After the first four minutes of play, <laughs> it's normally after a first quarter, somewhere in the second quarter. That's the score you would see to be able to score three times in four minutes. I mean, that's the legendary comeback kind of story at, in a fourth quarter, right? Right. right. <laughs> you never see those kind of scores in four minutes of play. <laughs> It's, and then I got really lucky because, you know, whoever was showing it showed a highlight reel and they showed the, the snap. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of the first half, the score was 35 to 10. And then I guess after that, you know, the Browns get it back and they put up more points and whatnot. And, and Pittsburgh tries to come back. But what was so great was every time Pittsburgh tried to come back, they'd score a touchdown. The Browns would score a touchdown. They would just keep that distance, you know. They weren't going to let that game out of hand. Yeah, there was a point towards the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter kind of time frame where it really looked like the Steelers were, were making a comeback. I think the Browns had two stalled drives where they didn't really get far at all, and Roethlisberger was able to to bring the team down the field and score two times in a row. I'm watching the game while playing another game with some friends of mine, and one of them who's on Twitter a lot says – Wait, why is hashtag Oilers trending right now? And he looks on and, and he asked me, it's like, who's playing right now? And I'm like, it's the Steelers and the Browns. And he's like, OK. And so he, he looks it up. And what it is, is there was a playoff game between the Oilers. And I can't remember who it was, maybe the Chiefs or something, where the, the Chiefs were down just a huge amount coming into the third. Or, you know, towards the end of the third. And then they just came roaring back and they won the game. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, are the Steelers going to pull this off? <laughs> and so the, ha- the hashtag Oilers was trending. And if you don't know, the Oilers was a professional football team out of Houston that folded up and moved to Tennessee to become the Titans <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> the second half, like you said, they tried to make a comeback, but the Browns just kept ahead. And by the end of the game. Ben Roethlisberger had thrown five interceptions in a fumble. I mean, that was just unheard of. <laughs> and what was the final score? It was like, what, 45 to something? It was the Bills. It was the Oilers versus the Bills in 1993 playoff game. 
They started the, their lead was 35 to three. <laughs> and they came back the bills came back and tied it 38, 38, and then won it in overtime. It's the biggest collapse in NFL history. <laughs> and to be fair, it's the Browns. So nobody expected them not right. to collapse. Right. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the, you know four, five interceptions, that fumble recovery, Baker Mayfield just, you know, having the game of his season and the end of it, the Browns for the first time in 20 years beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh for the first time in like 26 years. They won a playoff game. And no kidding, like, I talked earlier about the pure hatred Browns fans and Steelers fans have for each other. And after two decades worth of shellacking from these guys, we're going to take joy in the suffering of our defeated foes. So the camera finds Ben Roethlisberger's face at the end of the game. He's got his helmet on. He's sitting on the bench, just staring at the field. And you can see he's crying. You can see tears rolling down his face. I, I know for some of you out there who might listen, might think that, that I'm a jerk for, for taking joy out of that. You know, he, he's a great quarterback. He, I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But you know what? We beat them. We beat the stuffing out of them. It wasn't close. <laughs> it wasn't a game of the two best teams. It was a shellac and we beat the crap out of Pittsburgh and it was just a great joyous moment for Browns fans. <laughs> and let me give you some like background on that. Roethlisberger has a record of 11, two and one against the Browns. Right. And I think the two and one were like from the beginning <laughs> of, his, <laughs> of his tenure, not the last like 11 years. So I don't think, I think he has beaten the Browns 11 years in a row. So yeah, don't really, don't, don't have any. Okay. He cried. <laughs> Good for you, Big Ben. <laughs> That's go, right. take a, go take a knee. <laughs> On top of the fact that during the week before the game, one of the, I want to say he's like a, a receiver guy by the name is Juju Smith-Schuster. When asked about, you know, uh, what he thinks about facing the Browns, and he goes, they're the same old Browns. They've won a few games here and there. There's a couple of superstars on their team, but the rest of them are just gray, faceless people. They're the same old Browns. He was dissing us. Like, there's no other way you could put it. He was dissing us. So in the locker room, the Browns were mocking him <laughs> because he was on TikTok <laughs> and whatnot, singing and dancing to this song called Corvette. So that's what the Browns were doing, you know, <laughs> because you called him out. You said that they were worthless and they beat the crap out of you. And what's great about that was that one of his other teammates, a guy named Chase Claypool, is like, oh, they were classless and they're winning. Like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> you said that we were losers and we beat the crap out of you. <laughs> I would say the final score was only 45-37. But it wasn't ever that close. <laughs> it didn't look that close as a game. <laughs> it really, no. really wasn't. <laughs> no, sorry. 48-37. 48-37. It was still a two-score game, and even throughout the, the most of the game, it really wasn't that close. <laughs> it was not. And don't get me wrong. As a Cowboys fan, I hate the Steelers, too. <laughs> In fact, I think a lot of people hate the Steelers. Almost probably the same number of people hate the Cowboys. In part because the Steelers have a lot of Super Bowl wins. Right. Because <laughs> I think they're at eight. Either way. <laughs> Either way. It was a fun game to watch. It really was. It really was. It was very enjoyable. And I, I like I said, I couldn't celebrate like I wanted to. I couldn't. And this, the best part is I'm like in Northeast Pennsylvania <laughs> at my in-laws house. And I couldn't scream outside. Pittsburgh sucks. Because I'd wake up my in-laws and be like. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but just know that, that we were there. And this was such a big deal for the city that it was a 7 o'clock game, 8 o'clock game. So it wrapped up just a little before midnight. The team gets back to Cleveland around like 3 in the morning. 
and they are greeted by a large crowd of fans at the airport cheering, hooting, and hollering. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they closed schools the next day. I really wouldn't. <laughs> Between the teachers and the professional staff and the parents and the kids, nobody's going to want to wake up the next day. <laughs> So, yeah, now it was our first playoff win in a long time, and it was really great. It was really enjoyable. So that win meant that we move on to the divisional round. We went to Kansas City to face the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the only other game I want to talk about that first week is the Tampa Bay-Washington football team. And I just want to say Tampa Bay shockingly beat the Washington football team. <laughs> well, to nobody's amazement. To nobody's amazement. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Washington was there because somebody from the NFC East had to be there. <laughs> yeah, they were in the NFC East. They were the ones that got in. They had five wins. <laughs> versus everybody else's four out of 16 games <laughs> yeah but what's interesting about that is that tampa bay has a quarterback you may have heard about named tom brady belichick kicked him off the patriots so he found a home at, at tampa bay he didn't get kicked off he left tom brady just straight up left he's like eh, I'm, I'm done here i'm gonna go to tampa Did he? i i thought belichick got rid of him no tom brady just was like no i'm done i've had enough I'm going to go to Tampa. Wow. Okay. I typed in why did and literally Google finished it. Brady leave the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, NSA, for that help. (laughs) Ah, That Google auto finish is good for some stuff, I guess. Either way, Tom Brady. Everybody thought, okay, he's playing for the Buccaneers. There's no way he's going to get anywhere with them. They're going to suck like they always do. Lo and behold, they're in the playoffs, and they've gotten to the second round. (laughs) (laughs) Now, granted, they had a real softball of a first round. (laughs) (laughs) Saying softball is doing a disservice to softball players. (laughs) Kickball. (laughs) A real kickball. A real t-ball of a team to play. (laughs) Yep. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) So... Divisional week. So we're facing the defending Super Bowl champions, and it's at this point that you you psych yourself up for these games because you know that the likelihood of you winning them is just not good. Because Patrick Mahomes, he's probably the future Tom Brady. He's very good. He's got a good coach. He's got a good team. They just find ways to win. I think their record this year was, what, 14-2? and Yeah. I don't know who the second loss was to. I know the first one was the Raiders, so everyone was shocked by that. But they're a very good team. The odds were... Browns were 10-point underdogs, which is sizable in a, in a year where most people didn't get more than, than seven. But, you know, you, you tried to find holes and weaknesses by saying that their offensive line wasn't great this year, that they had pretty much 20 days off from the last time that their starters played, and that their defense is just terrible. It's always been terrible because they don't need to. They just outscore you. But the, the one thing everyone was saying is that it was going to be a high-scoring game, that it was going to be 52-45 to 45 or something like that. It was just going to be an absurd number. And we psyched ourselves up for it, and the game starts off, and it doesn't start great. Mahomes goes down, and he scores just like we expected. The Browns did not. It looked like the Browns just weren't clicking right. There were drop passes. There were a couple of penalties. There was an interception. Very little on the running game. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like the offense was not, like you said, it was not clicking. Right. The gears weren't weren't meshed together. Right. And I think they didn't go with the running game. Like, they always tend to go off the running game if they know they can't get it going 
early because they know that the other team's just counting on it. So they were turning a lot of their running backs into receivers and they were dropping balls. <laughs> Nick Chubb had like three drop passes. <laughs> yeah. The only person that seemed to be doing well was Baker Mayfield, which for the sports news people was a little bit of a surprise because he was definitely the person that they had questions about, you know, this season. Most of his throws were accurate. He's pretty quick and with the release and it was like he was doing well. And then our defense, we knew our defense was going to be a problem and they just couldn't cover. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They just, you know, weren't good. Now, that being said, in the first half, there was a play, a pass to Rashard Higgins that as he was running down, he was coming up on the goal line. He jumps, he reaches out with the football, and a Chiefs defender comes in from the side, hits him, knocks the ball out. The ball goes through the end zone. Now, in the NFL, if the ball comes out as a fumble and goes out of bounds anywhere else on the field, ball gets placed where it goes out, and the offense that was carrying it keeps the ball. In the end zone, in the NFL rules, when the ball goes through the end zone, the ball is turned over. Yep, counts as a touchback. Which everyone's like, that's a pretty hinky rule. <laughs> that's aside from the fact that the Chiefs defender who hit Richard Higgins was a blatant targeting hit. Yeah. Targeting in football is where you use the top of your helmet to hit the other guy's helmet. No, so this wasn't actually targeting. This was illegal use of helmet. Right. Which is an older rule. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's almost always targeting. And targeting doesn't just mean when you use your helmet to do helmet. It's got a lot more to do with body position and how the helmet contact happens and hitting the head. This was very much intentionally hitting one guy's head with your head. Right. And that that's a huge penalty. Like, it, it would have been half the distance of the goal or more. It would have put the Browns in definite scoring range. And obviously, it knocked the ball out of the guy's hand because he got his head smashed <laughs> right. by another guy, which is, you know, one of the reasons they don't allow that. Everybody saw it on the replay. The problem is, for some reason, it wasn't a reviewable play. And so the thing was, nobody saw it on the play in uh-huh. live action. Like all of a, all of everybody's focus was on the ball because right. the ball was really close in the end zone. And if it breaks the plane, then it's a touchdown. So nobody's looking at the guys hitting each other. Everybody's looking at the ball. So everybody sees it on replay. Nobody saw it in real time, including the refs. But yeah, even the uh, even the announcers were talking about, like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that is targeting. And I sent you that text. I was like, that is targeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, all of the announcers on TV started talking about it. And then in the halftime show, they were talking about it. They were talking about how the fact that they had talked about how silly the touchback rule is <laughs> <laughs> in a, at a show that was earlier that day. that They had done a roundtable and they talked about that rule and how that rule probably needs to change. And, the, the, you know, this was a prime example. <laughs> and the no replay thing was total BS as well. So, right. But, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes those go against you and sometimes they go in your favor. Right. And I'm not going to be that fan that says, oh, you know, that cost us the game. When we come out of the from the second half, we had plenty of chances to win that game. We kept the most high scoring football team of the year to 22 points. The game finishes at 22-17. Kansas City literally only scores three points in the second half. Right. They kicked a field goal. Yep. The Browns defense like came a lot. And to be fair, really barring the second quarter. The Browns defense kept the, the Kansas City Chiefs to three field goals. Right. So I mean they did they did enough. 
However, so in the second half, the defense gets a good hit on the quarterback, the starting quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. And he comes out with what is believed to be a concussion. I think they ended up determining that it's like a nerve thing, that the way that Mac Wilson hit him hit a nerve and caused some uh, some dizziness and and whatnot that seems more likely looking at that hit because it didn't it didn't really look like Mahomes took it on the head right he didn't it was shoulder to body right and it was a clean hit you know everyone says so that it was a clean hit oh yeah but Mahomes comes out and their second string comes in a guy named Henny and at that point if you're a Browns fan you're thinking our luck just changed we now have a serious chance to win this game because backup quarterbacks aren't good. They're just there in case, you know, the first guy goes out. They have to have somebody there to, to do the job. As a Cowboys fan, I lived that. <laughs> not once, not twice, but thrice this year. Right. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> we had our chances on offense to do it. We didn't take advantage of them. One of the things that uh, some people probably question about a play call was with eight minutes left in the game. The Browns are at fourth down nine yards. And some people might question the call to punt it. But again, backup quarterback, you got eight minutes on the clock. Granted, you're out of timeouts, but you figure you can get the ball back and you can make a last minute drive and, and win the game. And it didn't work out that way because Miles Garrett has been quiet the last few weeks because people have been double and triple team minimum for weeks and trying to keep him from being impactful on the game. Well, that didn't happen on the, the last drive for the Chiefs on second down. Miles Garrett makes a sack and it's third and 14. Third and 14 is a very long distance, and you got to think at that point, that's it. We've got them. Yep. We'll get the ball back, and we're going we're gonna to score a <laughs> touchdown, and that'll be it. Nope. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, Garrett, finally, where have you been the last two games? Right, right. <laughs> well, that's because, because like any good team, they go, well, the other guys aren't important. Miles Garrett, we're going to put two, three guys on him. And you, when you're being double and triple teamed, you're not going to get to the quarterback. It's just impossible. You need the other guys to kind of take some of the weight off of you. But on third and 14th, they make a play. It was a running play and they get 13 out of the 14 yards. So fourth and one, all they got to do is get the one yard and they can run out the clock. And they didn't do it. I mean, it was a run to the outside and the Browns couldn't contain them. They couldn't stop them. And that was the game. Yeah, the minute he got that ball, I was like, well, that's it. Sad. Because <laughs> I knew they weren't going to be able to stop him. He was just too close. Mm-hmm. And it was just more to the outside. Like, the Browns couldn't contain on the outside. They couldn't keep the runners or anybody from leaving the center. But, you know, that's how it goes. But you know what? You got to think about it like this, though. The Browns kept the Kansas City Chiefs to 22 points in a year where they've done 30-plus all year. They lost by five, which is half of the points that Vegas said that they were going to lose by. And they had a real chance to beat them. They had a real chance to win that game and move on to the the championship game, which nobody at the beginning of the year would have thought possible. Nobody at the year beginning of the year thought it was any possible way that the Browns could have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason why they didn't was because they didn't play a perfect game. There's plenty of games where the better team wins, even though you do everything right. Your scheme and your plans and everything goes right. You know, you just get beat by a better team. And Without question, Kansas City was the better team. But if we had been a little better, been a little more perfect, if our game plan had worked out just a little bit better, we could have beaten them. So I don't walk away feeling... I didn't cry. I wasn't terribly upset. I was kind of in this weird quasi, you know, like, that was really disappointing. But you know what? Hell, we almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We won a playoff game. We've done a 180 from two years ago being 0-16 
to having a winning record. Mm-hmm. And at one point this year, we could have won the division. So I, I just sit back and I smile and I go, that was a great year. And we're going to have great years coming from, from here on out. And I think the future is bright for Cleveland Browns. Now, that being said, I, <laughs> I, I'm not all that interested in what happens after here, after this. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit about the other game I watched, which was uh, Tampa Bay and the and the Saints. Which was also their third time meeting this year. Yep. Hey, this game is interesting for a couple of reasons. The first one being the two quarterbacks. You've got Drew Brees and Tom Brady, which are who are not spring chickens, right? Right. There's lots and lots of people out there who will say Tom Brady is too old to be a quarterback, and that's why... You know, he kind of went his own way from the Patriots. And, he's, you know, a lot of people thought there was no way he was going to win the year before last. Or And the, the reason the Patriots were no good last year was because of Tom Brady, blah, 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 blah. The reality is there is only 18 months difference between Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Right. <laughs> All season long, though, everyone said this was Drew Brees' last year. That he looks beat up. He looks tired. That New Orleans Saints didn't have a plan for him to leave. And that's why he came back this year is that they thought they can get a winner. That's the the more significant difference is that Tom Brady had excellent protection in, in Boston with the Patriots. Drew Brees hasn't had that kind of luck. He's had to scramble. He's had to get take hits. So this was going to yeah. be his last year. <laughs> he still, you know, he still managed to pull off the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it was nice watching two ex Super Bowl quarterbacks try and run their teams and see what they did against each other. What it turned into, unfortunately, was Drew Brees throwing a lot of interceptions. <laughs> he threw four, I want to say, three or four. And in the pitch, and the 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 Bucks, the Tampa Bay Bucks were able to make points off of those turnovers. And when you can do that, you win football games, just like the Browns versus the Steelers. When you can turn a turnover into six to seven points, you can win a football game pretty easily. The other interesting piece about that game to me was Tampa Bay. If you've listened to some of our earlier sports podcasts from the year, you'll know that the Tampa Bay Lightning were in the Stanley Cup with the Dallas Stars. Yep. Tampa Bay White Lightning won. You also know that the Tampa Bay Rays beat the Houston Astros in the ALCS, American League Championship Series. Then went on to the World Series. Uh They didn't beat the Dodgers, uh, but they went to the World Series. Now it's looking like if Tampa Bay, if they win this game and then win the next game, they go to the Super Bowl, which means that three Tampa Bay teams will have been to their respective sports, you know, finale. (laughs) <laughs> in one year, mm-hmm. which to me, it, it's just amazing. Like, you know, I kind of want that for the Tampa Bay people. <laughs> as weird as that may seem. Well, on top of the fact that the Super Bowl this year is being held in Tampa. Yeah. So I, that would be just amazing if they could go there. And that's so that's the reason I'm going to keep watching. I want Tampa Bay to go. Not so much for Tom Brady, but for the people of Tampa Bay. Uh, what was I was saying? It was like, I said, God spoke and said, Tampa Bay shall win all the sports this year. <laughs> and the land was cursed and plague ridden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the two are not related, but still, it was hilarious in my mind. <laughs> so... But yeah, that's the reason I'll keep watching. But that's probably the only reason. Well, that and I typically watch the Super Bowl game. I'll be out on the road, so I won't be able to enjoy the Super Bowl the way Super Bowls are meant to be enjoyed. Lots of really bad for your health food and beer and party atmosphere. So that's been uh, football for 2020, 2021. So thanks for joining us this season. We'll get back to movies, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Very soon. This has been another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. 
Remember, we have a website and um, Patreon, so please go support us, leave comments, and we appreciate it. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Go Browns! And now my microphone's unmuted. <laughs> Too bad we solved all the world's problems while that was muted. <laughs> now I can't remember anything. God. Oh, well. Guess you're going to still have problems, world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my